Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Good morning, everybody, and we throw open the doors of the locker room. You're listening to Wolf, Starks, and the Ninjas. ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. You know, it's a tough morning here. Uh, Joy and sorrow are part of everyday life. And we all go through our ups and our downs and with the COVID and everything else. Certainly there's been a lot of of sorrow going on and and, uh, the joys that are manifested in daily life and daily activities. uh, You know, you, you, you just appreciate them so much. And so today on... On the uh, birthday of my wife, my bride of 25 years, I say, honey, happy birthday. Uh, I so love you. I so appreciate you, what you've done in my life. When you came into my life and you just made my life so much better than it was. And so I'm very grateful for you, and I hope you have a happy birthday, and uh, we'll have some fun today. But uh, the other thing about it, too, is as much as there's joy in one half of it, there's also sorrow. And so... Uh, I'm sorry to have to announce that uh, Max Starks won't be here in the locker room today. Um, Max's father, Ross Browner, formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals, um, a terrific, terrific competitor, great defensive end. Uh, He passed away last night at the age of 67, uh, and it's reported that it was um, the result of COVID, a month-long battle with COVID. And so our, our heart goes out to Max and his family and the whole Browner clan and uh, we, we just uh, got prayers for you, appreciate you so much, and hope that uh, there can be some comfort and healing during this time for you. So that would be why Max is not here today. I'm, I'm joined by um, Jacob Ninja. <laughs> He's going to be here in the locker room helping out a bit, and we'll have Ninja Tom jumping in. It's a last-second thing, and it was just found out last night, uh, again, that uh, uh, that Ross Brown had passed, and you know, there's so much about Ross Browner and just talking about him for a little bit. He came into the NFL in 1981, my second year in the league, and he was one of those guys that you had the Tim Crumry, you had Ross Browner, and you had Eddie Edwards, and it was a pretty fearsome defensive front throughout some of the 80s. I, I can't remember exactly when Tim came on board, and, and Eddie Edwards, I believe, was already there. Um, but they certainly, um, they were certainly just some some great players, and they combined together to to present a very formidable defensive front. I'll tell you this, uh, Ross Browner could close a trap, I'll tell you. <laughs> I kid you not. You know, when you're a guard in the trap-oriented uh, offense of Chuck Knoll back in the 80s, such as I was, it's like, um, it's like, did you ever see the Angry Birds commercial? 
You know, that's what a trapping guard is like. You know, just wham. You know, you just wham. You just pull down the line. Wham. And you just go from wham to wham. I mean, that's what it was like. I, I often liken it to uh, running into parked cars, you know, because some of these guys were so huge. And when they would see you coming, a good defensive end, someone such as Ross Browner, a great athlete, um, uh, a guy who was very hip to the trapping game of the Pittsburgh Steelers when he got a notion that you were coming. Well, he didn't wait on the trap. I mean, he didn't sit there at the defensive end and the left guard pole, such as myself, down the line, and you got about an 8- to 9-yard, 10-yard run at the guy. Um, he would come. He'd meet you halfway. He's, he's coming, and he's. He, we used to have a saying, trap the trapper is what the defense on our, our Steelers defensive guys used to say all the time. Make sure you trap the trapper. Well, Ross Browner certainly could. I feel sorry for Max because... Um, you know, this is just one of those things where you go through in life, and certainly I, I know, you, the joys of his father is is you read some of the comments by his teammates. Um, it just uh, I know that it's agonizing. I unfortunately lost my dad. I think it was my third year in 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 uh, training camp, my third year in the league, maybe fourth year in the league. Things get a little muddied now. You know, you suffer a little from amnesia, so some of these things kind of escape you a little bit, but. You know, the fact is, um, coming back from a preseason game, uh, I was notified at the airport that uh, my father was in a, a dire way, and I was able to get there and be with him uh, in the last moments. And certainly, it's a difficult thing. It's a hard thing to go through, and I probably the best thing, the best uh, medicine for me was simply to, uh, as I was able to just come back to camp afterwards, and then just play a game. And uh, just being with the guys was the most healing thing. And certainly for Max, I'm sure he's with his family down there in Phoenix. And so we extend our condolences. And I'm sure Steelers Nation extends their condolences. And uh, uh, we're praying for you, Max. And much may God's comfort overwhelm you. Okay, so moving on now. Um, with the... Uh, Mike Tomlin's press conference yesterday, I thought it was interesting because with the 8-7-1 and record, such as Mike Tomlin is posting here, that ensures his 15th consecutive season without a losing season. Now, that's significant, folks. That is really significant. I mean, you're talking about you're breaking a record with somebody like Marty Schottenheimer, who went 14 consecutive seasons without uh, any losing seasons uh, from 84 to 97 as both the co- head coach of the Browns and the Chiefs. Marty Schottenheimer was an excellent coach. He was an excellent man. He was one of those guys that really was able to stand up in front of the team, and, and, and his leadership skills were such that um, he was just one of those guys that you knew who the top dog was in the organization, and you appreciated Marty. Now, for Marty, um, <laughs> Marty never got to the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, that's that's a tough one. He had a one eight and eight season. He had one eight seven and one, I believe. Again, my math skills are always a little bit suspect, but you know, Marty Schottenheimer was an excellent coach, and he just really got uh, the best out of out of the players that he had. And uh, Mike, for Mike to be able to break that record, he was tied with him. Fourteen each had fourteen consecutive seasons in this tie. And, now, this one ensures that uh, Mike will go 15. Uh, that's that's amazing. And I hope that Pittsburgh takes a moment to appreciate it. Now, you know, it, and Mike was asked about it, you know, if that was significant. And, and he said, frankly, most humbly, uh, basically, I'm just 
paraphrasing him, but uh, you know, frankly, um, it, no, this is just some of the stuff that you accumulate as you move along. But what I love is Mike's determination to remain singularly focused on his message and his message to his guys. And it's always about winning the Super Bowl. It's always about going to the Super Bowl and winning, not just going to the playoffs, not just going and uh, you know going to the Super Bowl and being there. Um, it's about winning, and his singular message has been at the forefront of his career here in Pittsburgh. I mean, think about this. You know, you can you can talk a lot about the coaches, their coaching style, what makes them better than others, what. You know, they're, they're, whether or not they, they, their clock maintenance, you know, being able to, uh, with the clock, the timeouts and all that sort of stuff or the play calling or what have you. But, you know, it's about leadership when you boil it down. Nothing was, was bigger when I came to Pittsburgh in 1980 than watching Chuck Knoll operate at the head of the organization. Sure, he was teamed with um, Mr. Rooney and the chief. And that was singularly uh, huge because the stability of an organization is something that backs up a coach. But to watch Chuck Knoll operate, Chuck Knoll, as Mike Tomlin, uh, as I've said about Mike Tomlin, they wore, they wore leadership skills like water wears wet. You know, I mean, that's something that is – there was – I remember Joe Green, <laughs> Joe Green saying he was the only guy that ever made him flinch. <laughs> You know, I mean, Coach Knoll was just that disciplined and just that fierce, and, and he had that persona um, that just really set him apart, so very much so. And to think that back in 1969 when the Steelers, when they signed Chuck Knoll, I mean, you you got this, this rookie coach coming in, and you're going to, uh, a rookie head coach at that time, you're going to bring him into an organization. And 23 seasons later, he would post the most amazing decade uh, of Super Bowl wins in the 70s, winning it four and six years. It was an incredible thing. And you look at that and you think to yourself, my goodness, what what kind of man is that? And I remember when I got here, I was just amazed at him and his singular messaging. It was always about performance and winning and moving on and enjoying the journey uh, because the, the Super Bowl and was, was 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 part of the journey. It wasn't always the destination, but it was where he wanted to go. And Coach Knoll always called on you to be better than you were the day before, to bring your very best day in and day out. Coaches that have that singular messaging, that are able to last 23 seasons, or like Bill Cower, 15, and Mike Tomlin, 15, could you imagine when you signed Chuck Knoll in 1969 that it would be followed by uh, Bill Cower and... Uh, then and Mike, Mike Tomlin. I mean, think about it. It's amazing to me because to think that you guys, that these these men back to back to back could wear gold jackets to be such tremendous coaches, uh, it's it's phenomenal. And you look at uh, the other organizations, it's really hard to compare to anybody else. I mean, looking at these three guys, and you're talking about 53 years of, of just some incredible coaching and leadership at the head of an organization. So I know that Mike doesn't uh, look at it as something that, um, you know, he, he, you know, is significant, but it is a significant moment in his career. It is a time for him to be able to, uh, no, it not, it's not time for him to be able to enjoy because obviously you're in the midst of completing uh, that season 
But 8-7-1 in 15 consecutive seasons, though it's not what you want, look, it, it, it takes something serious in a man to be able to stand up and message and have singular focus on a message that he delivers week in, week out, day in, and day out to his troops, and that the message doesn't get old. It's not something that, you know, when you think about it, you, it's not something that you just pass along, you know, arbitrarily. It's something that it has has weight to it. It has meat to it. You know, as Mike often talks about, there's there's more meat on the bone. Well, there is, as, as even for the coaches. So certainly you got to believe that, um, for Mike, uh, this is this is a significant moment, but I, you know, as he as he was quoted, he says, "Not as I sit here today, I say that humbly." And in other words, that it it wasn't what he was singularly focused on as far as the fifteen non-winning or non-losing seasons. So we'll move forward. I'm sure he's going to move forward in this, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see where these guys go to now. As we're the Steelers are preparing to take on Baltimore Ravens and. The Ravens are in the midst of a five-game losing streak, and that's, I think, uh, putting number six on them would be significant. Now, did I hear – Jacob, did you call me? Just one minute. All right. You know what? We're, we're wrapping up this first segment, and the number's 412-919-1316. Uh, again, um, just to reiterate, uh, there's the – our condolences go out to the Starks family and the Browner family and the – Cincinnati organization and hearing on the passing of Ross Browner, who again was a, a great player. It was a terrific teammate uh, for the uh, the Bengals. He was quite a man, and to hear the things that are being said about him and after his passing there um, last night at the age of 67, uh, we're so sorry to hear that. But I'm certainly thrilled, uh, you know, in in the knowledge that uh, he was greatly loved, and he's got family circling around him and. For Max, uh, you know, hope the same. So, all right, we're going to go to break, and we're going to be back with more after this. You're in the locker room, Wolf Starks and the Ninjas, ESPN Pittsburgh, Steelers Nation Radio. In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. All right, welcome back, everybody. Wolf, Starks, and the Ninjas in the Locker Room. ESPN Pittsburgh, Steelers Nation Radio. The number is 412-919-1316 if you want to join me. Uh, all by my lonesome, except for Ninja Jacob, who's uh, running around because we got some gremlins in the system a little bit. So he's taking care of business, and we're going to try to keep everything afloat and keep going and rolling. But uh, unfortunately, Max Starks is not joining us this morning. Uh, Max has uh, previously reported, as I w- talked about in the last segment, 
Yes. In the last segment, um, we were we uh, were uh, had to we had to announce that uh, Max's dad passed away, Ross Browner from the Cincinnati Bengals, and that's indeed such a sorrowful moment. And I know that uh, Max is grieving right now, and our prayers go out to you, Max, and looking to comfort you. Uh, may God bless you and comfort you in, in, in your bereavement and your grief. I know that uh, it's got to be it's a tough thing. Uh, again, I remember when I lost my dad early on, uh, you know, about three, three season number three, I think, in, in my career, and it was just that's a, a loss. But all right. Joe Rudder had a great article in the Trip Live this morning. It's by the numbers, and I thought he did a great job of putting some things together, and I appreciate um Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com. Awards. Just some of the stuff he puts out there. But Ben Roethlisberger, in 18 seasons, hit 248 games in the regular season. That ranked sixth on the all-time list among quarterbacks and our third with one franchise. When you consider all the great quarterbacks that have passed before the time frame of Ben Roethlisberger, you got to sit there and go, wow, that's pretty impressive. I mean, nearly 250 games. Good heavens! I mean, I know I was uh, somewhere in a in in a buck forty somewhere in that area uh, in games, but to be the starting quarterback, and and I, I can't even begin to tell you the times that you saw this dude go out there, whether he was banged up, had something going on, and yet he, especially if you go back on YouTube, early Ben Roethlisberger, and and kind of see. What he's done, it's just amazing. I mean, early in his career, he would take, he'd get hit, he'd hold guys off. I remember him uh, stiff-arming Terrell Suggs in Baltimore one time while he was throwing the ball. He's holding Suggs at bay. Uh, that's just amazing. I remember when Haloti Nada broke his nose in Baltimore. And I remember because I'm down on the sidelines there, and I can see the profile is, is – uh, uh, John Norwig, uh, Wig is working on his his nose and and he's got he pulls the towel away and I can see where the cartilage is broken in the nose where he took that vicious shot from a 350 pounder in Holodi Nada or as I used to call him whole lot of noggin because that's exactly what he had huge head that dude had but really the whole thing about it was uh, I, I was looking from the sideline and I, I said to Tunch and Billy I said he's got a broken nose and Tunch says ah. I don't know. I go, listen, I've cornered enough boxers and have boxed enough myself to recognize a broken nose. Now, that's a broken nose, okay, because that nose ain't sitting right. The, the cartilage has moved, and the nose has taken a decided curve across the face. When you see that, you know, you got a broken nose. All right, so despite all these injuries and the things that have happened with Ben Roethlisberger, he has shown himself to be time-tested. One of those guys that, uh, you know what, could have played back in the – Bobby Douglas, Roman Gabriel, days of yore when the quarterbacks uh, were not treated near as nice as they are now. How long did it take? Uh, for the, It seemed, seems to me it took a while for the referees to catch up 
with Ben Roethlisberger and give him a break as far as taking some of the punishment, a la Tom Brady. It's like and Tom Brady when he was in in uh, you know in Foxborough. It's like if you breathed on him wrong, you're going to get a flag. And then you take a look at the <laughs> the punishment Ben would absorb and what he would overcome to get the ball off and everything else. It was rather amazing, I thought. So yeah, um, you look at what what Ben has accomplished. It's amazing. 248 games regular season. Again, sixth on the all-time list amongst the quarterbacks. Third with one franchise. Uh, that's certainly that's that's gold jacket material right there because being available is the first is job one, as Mike Tomlin often says. Having that availability and being able to lead the offense and lead be one of the leaders of the team is huge. Um, also, his domination of the Browns. I mean, you think about. Uh, I mean, Ben Ben was thirteen and zero at Heinz Field against Cleveland during the regular season. His overall record is twenty five two and one. Now those twenty five wins do rank fourth in NFL history in terms of victories for a quarterback against one opponent. But he's also got twenty four wins against Cincinnati. So if you add the two together, which is always difficult for me, but I think if you carry the one, you know, so it should come out about forty nine thereabouts, give or take a couple. Um, you look at that and you go, you got 49 victories against the Ohio teams. There's something about Ohio because he's got 164 career victories, right? Ben does overall. And 49 of them come against Ohio teams. He's got a passion for whipping Ohio teams that, that uh, didn't, didn't draft him. You know, having a chip on your shoulder can be one of the best things going, I think. You know, having that opportunity to say, you know what? You didn't want to draft me, so here I am, and I'm going to put the whipping on you yet again. And certainly I remember Butch Davis back at the time, and I remember reading about him, Butch Davis saying, you know what, uh, we're, we're not too big on Big Ben. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, Butchie boy, you might want to take that one back. Now, how's, it, how's he looking now? You know, after he whooped up on the Ohio team 49 times over 18 seasons. I think that's a pretty impressive run. And one of the things that really makes him stand out is his unrelenting desire to whip everything Ohio. And I'm joined right now. That's right, buddy. That's right. That's right, buddy. We got Ninja Tom in the house. He's in the house. No more solo duty for you today, my friend. Sweet Marie, you want to talk about just a little bit of joy for the kid here. <laughs> you never you never so love the ninjas as when they come to your rescue, when you feel like, okay, I'm way up here on the trapeze live without a net all by myself, and I ain't no Walenda. I'll be your net. I'll be your net. I would have been here earlier, but, you know, there's a billion different things you got to do around this place. You know the Podcasts, <laughs> all this stuff. You know, I got here as fast as I could. When you're multiple, multi-talented like you uh, are, these are the things that happen. When you're singularly focused on having not much other skills than what I'm doing right now, <laughs> this and eating. Well, you know, I mean, uh, that's a uh, You wow. could lay a fair share, a fair block or two back in your day, too. Let's back give in yourself the day, some credit. Well, yeah. okay, I bet you got one or two left in you, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> if I go down, I might not get up. <laughs> So anyhow, I've been talking about Ben Roethlisberger, and I've been talking about this. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things I, I, I was hitting on was the 248 games in the regular season, which ranked sixth on the all-time list and third with one franchise. And you think, first of all, in this day and age, when you've got 
you know, you, you've got budgets and you've got the salary caps and you've got all sorts of things. You think about being able to stay with one organization for 18 years. And think about now how so many guys think, all right, you've got you to gotta equip a quarterback in his first contract, you know, and so you can spread money around on the rest of the guys yeah, and be able to have right. that window. And yet here for 18 years, we in Pittsburgh have been provided with great winning football year in and year out. And there hasn't been a lack of talent around him either. Like, it's not like, oh, you started paying Ben, and now the skill position players, the line, takes a little bit of a step back because you just can't afford it. No, they've, they supplemented great receivers, great running backs, great offensive linemen around Ben. And you're right, the all the stats about him doing it in one uniform, in one stadium, those were the graphics that were my favorite during the Monday night broadcast. Seeing, you know, they pop Brady up, and obviously he's number one at Gillette Stadium with all his wins in Foxborough. And then you had Favre and Lambeau, and Ben tied Favre with that win on Monday night. 98 wins at Heinz Field, 98 wins for Favre at Lambeau. That was what was super special. There's so many numbers. He's top five in almost every category. First ballot Hall of Famer in my mind, but the fact that he did it in Pittsburgh and the fact that they kept highlighting that and have continued to highlight that in programming afterwards, it just illustrates how special it really is and how rare it really is. Exactly. So, so well Think about those two guys. Brett Favre at Lambeau. Right. He, he didn't finish in Green Bay. He set that yep. record with 98 wins in Lambeau, but he moved on to New York and then Minnesota. Tom Brady. We know what he's doing right now in Tampa yeah. Bay. So he set all those records in New England, but he didn't finish in New England. Ben's going to finish in New England. Like, same vein no, as Ben's like going to finish in uh, Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, b- bite your tongue. Oh, my God. The oh. blasphemy I just let out there. <laughs> my heavens, man. But like an Elway in Denver, a uh, Ben in uh, a Marino in Miami, Ben right. in Pittsburgh. He's in that kind of class, and those are really, really the special ones to me. You know, Tom, you're exactly correct. And, again, I go back to his his unusual dominance of the Ohio team. Oh, my God. I mean, you think about it. You think he 20... was mad they passed him up? <laughs> 20, 25 wins against against uh, you know the Browns and twenty four against the Bengals. He's got one hundred and sixty four career victories. Think about it, almost a third or thereabouts. Again, my math skills are just so you know. And when I and again, folks, if you're at home, don't be afraid to fact check me because I, I I'm not statistically I'm challenged. But the fact is, about a third or so. Th- He's, he he goes wumpum on the Ohio team. Every time. He doesn't like anything in Ohio. Well, except living there. You know, I haven't been from there, but professional football teams from Ohio, he loves whipping them. I, I really do think, and this has kind of been alluded to leading up to the game on Monday, um, he took it personally when the Browns decided not to take him in that draft. I, I think Ohio guy went to Miami of Ohio, had great success there, earned himself into a first-round caliber player. I'm going to be the savior of the Browns, right? Like, I think that's probably what he was thinking. I'm going to come in. I'm going to save this franchise. I'm going to be the guy that brings this Cleveland Browns team to heights that they've never really experienced before. And they pass him up, and he's made him pay for it ever since. And I think it's just there's so much poetry and beauty to what happened. But the best part is he swept the Browns in his final season. I mean, that is just so poetic. A Browns team, at the beginning of the year, were favorites to win the division in a lot of people's minds. Favorites to maybe go to the Super Bowl. And Ben, in his final season, sweeps them. Gets two (laughs) wins over them to add to the already monstrous win total he has over them. We don't talk about what happened with the Bengals this year. We forget that that even happened. But, you know, you overlook it all. You said it's very poetic. You go, roses are red, violets are blue. 
Uh, ben beat the Browns, and he's whooped the Bengals, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. Uh, well, it's poetry. <laughs> I know, and that's I just love that little nugget, too, is that, oh, this was the Browns' year. Ben's yeah. going to beat you twice on the way exactly out the door. Exactly so. And now, this could be the starting. Think about Joe Burrow. Well, that's I mean, the other thing. He yeah. swept Ben this year as maybe a torch pass moment. Well, you wonder. I mean, we could have the same thing happen because Burrow is going to be a problem. Oh, yeah, you know, for and, a couple for, decades. Yeah, now, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Longevity. Let me let me just say, longevity isn't uh, for everybody. It's true. You know, I mean, some guys they just, uh, you know, Burrow's already had a knee operation. He has, you know? and he got dinged up in the game. He did on uh, against who did they? Was the it Chiefs? Two weeks yeah, the Chiefs. The, Chiefs yeah. the final uh, right. play of the game. I think he got gingerly walked his, off. Yeah, yeah. doinked his knee again. So the fact you're right, is, you're right. It's you not know, guaranteed. It, there's nothing guaranteed. The NFL. Um, <laughs> I always like the not for long moniker that goes with that. But the fact is, you just don't know because it's a violent sport played by violent guys, and violent things happen in those violent moments. And that makes what Ben did all the more special. Yes. 18 years, almost two full decades of just being at the top of the game. And one thing that people keep bringing up that I just can't agree with enough is you knew Ben wasn't going to be prime 2010s, 2014 Ben at this advanced age. It was just never going to happen. But he never really bottomed out. You know, you never really – sure, he's made some oh, – that didn't look like Ben passes this year – but he never really had just the wolf. This guy can't play in the end. He's going to scratch their way to potentially nine wins on a team that really has a lot of flaws elsewhere on the roster. There's no question. I mean, he, he does not have the evasibility or the cloak of invisibility such as he used to have back in the day. Right, exactly. And you got these young bucks who, and you know, offensive line. You got some issues that have, have occurred there, and yet he's still able to. He he, he morphed. Instead of the guy that extended the play and everything else, he got the ball out quicker and quicker. And, yeah, I understand that there's some problems uh, associated with that. But it here's to me. When you got a running game, this is what he does. This is what he came in the NFL doing. Yeah. You know, he doesn't need to throw 500 yards week in and week out. A buck 75, 200, 225 with a 100-plus yard rushing game, that's what he started with. Najee Harris had the second highest single game total this season of any running back in the NFL against the Browns. Dalvin Cook, unfortunately, had the most when he put 200 up against the Okay, we don't need to go there. (laughs) But 188 yards on the ground. I mean, the only thing that was frustrating to me about the game on Monday, and this is a small thing, was this was what it was supposed to be like all year. This was the formula. T.J. Watts getting sacks left and right. Najee can't be stopped on the ground. The line is just blowing them off the ball in the run blocking. So there's a little part of me that was like, ah, if they could have just done this a couple more games, that's maybe a couple more wins and you're in the playoffs right now. But say lovey, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, what, Whoa, what, throwing a little Al Francais oh, there, my poetry, friend. Poetry, little France, yeah, you know, I like that. little culture to the, the yeah, podcast right now. You know, I can, I can, I can speak French too because I'll give you French toast. <laughs> I love One French of my toast. Oh, I me too. Love it. Do you have some for real? Oh, I, whenever we got I a can. kitchen in here. Yeah, now, I know. So no, did I bring whip, any? No, we can whip no, it up. Yeah, we can whip it up. But I don't. I don't. There I don't. are eggs in the fridge. I think. I really. Yeah, closer than we think to French toast here. All right. I think we're going to break. I think we got the high sign to go to break. All right. The number is 412-919-1316. It's Wolf Starks and the Ninjas. Well, I should just say it's me and Ninja Tom going at it here in the locker room. We'll be back after this.
This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. All right, it's me and the ninjas. We're hanging out here. You got Jacob and Tom, two of the very secretive ninjas that work around here. We move the... in the shadows. That's right. <laughs> you move. You move. We move in the shadows with stealth, cat-like stealth. And it's quickness. a little too bright in this room, to be honest, for me right now. I might dim the lights a little bit. I... Sometimes you're in. Sometimes People you're out. People can see I me. Never I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> The number is 412-919-1316. You know, Ninja Tom, one of the things that I, I, I always am fascinated by are the sacks. I remember back, I think it was early in the 80s, we had like 18 sacks the whole year. It was terrible. It was like when wow. the steel curtain was coming down, you know, it was that transfer of, of you know, the players from the 70s to right. the 80s and so forth. And then you've got... Now the Steelers are right on the verge of doing something no NFL team has done before, and that is to lead the league in sacks five seasons in a row. And No one's ever done that before. And no one's ever done wow. it four in a row. The Steelers did it. You know? So we're breaking our own record here. Exactly. <laughs> they came into the game with 43 last week against the Brownies. They, they came out at, at put nine, hang, hung nine on the Baker, right? So he's got 52 sacks. Pretty crazy stuff. And they weren't in first place before that game, I believe, no, against they the Browns. No. So they had to make up some ground in that one. They and did. Boy, did they ever. And what's beautiful is they have the worst pass-protecting team in the NFL in their sights this week. The Ravens give up 3.4 sacks per game. That's 32 out of 32. Dead last in the NFL. You could not ask for a better matchup if you want to continue this dominance as a team, and if you're Mr. T.J. Watt trying to catch Michael Strahan. This is the perfect game for you right what do you think? What do you think that, you know, they're thinking about right now? Like, you know, we we can't let T.J. Because they've, they've lost five games in a row. I mean, yes. you know, they're... they're Complete free fall. Yeah, they're, they're in a real free fall. This is the most consecutive losses by John... Uh, uh, Harbaugh. Harbaugh in, you know, in consecutive games. I Loses. think the injuries caught up with them finally. Finally, yeah. Such an injured team all year finally caught up with them, especially when Lamar went down. Yeah. Well, he's he's their whole He's offense. Mr. Offense, yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, he's still their leading rusher despite missing like the past four weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly <laughs> so. You know, but be able to go after um, that record is going to be interesting. You know, what, what somebody called in the other day said, What's Brett Favre doing? Because <laughs> he took a he laid down for Michael yeah, Strahan. For Michael Strahan, and Strahan didn't like that. He didn't that. like that at all. Old Gaptooth did not like that I at all. I wouldn't have liked it either. Uh, you want that on your own merit. You don't want to tip your cap to Brett Favre and say, "Hey, thanks." Yeah, this no. isn't Brett Favre's moment. This no. is Michael Strahan's moment. It, exactly so. And I, the funny part is, a lot of people say, "Well, Favre is always about Favre." So with Favre yes. uh, doing that, I. I don't. I find it hard to believe that. Like he, he's just thinking about himself. But um, who knows? Maybe. Favre was pretty old back then. Maybe he was just like, I don't want to get hit by Michael Strahan. You know, I look, yeah. I you know, <laughs> I'd hook slide too if you know that you're gonna get. You know, if you're gonna take one of the all time greats is about to crush me. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Well, the Steelers they went into the game. They were a little bit behind. I think the Rams. Okay. The Rams are, uh, I think the Rams are around 47 Great sacks. pass rush there. So, oh, yeah, Aaron, Aaron Donald. Donald. Yeah, I think he's got like six and a half sacks in his recent couple games. He's turning it on. Oh, man, he's he is unbelievable. Again, I remember doing games for Fox Sports back in the day, and I did one of his high school games. Oh, and I, yeah. And I remember saying, the, the only kid I've ever said it about, I said, you know, we may see this kid someday playing on Sundays. 
You know what I mean? And that was back at Penn Hills when he was in high school. He was triple teamed on the defense. They literally triple teamed him, and he still was making plays. I always love to think that with not just Aaron Donalds, all the greats that played in high school, like Derrick Henry, too, in this category. There's some accountant out there somewhere right now that had to block Aaron Donald for 60 minutes straight in high school. There's some like stockbroker that, or, that or didn't block Aaron try, Donald, but he had to try. Or some real estate agent that played linebacker had to tackle Derrick Henry 15 times in a game. Like it's just funny to me to think like those guys. Like you said, you could see right then he's playing on Sunday. The guys he was going up against were not playing on Saturday, let alone <laughs> Sunday. So I always just get a kick out of like those freak of nature athletes having to go up against people like me who are just playing high school sports <laughs> to play high school sports. Absolutely. It's just so funny to me. Well, you think about it, too. Another impressive feat is the Steelers uh, have reached the 50 sacks five years in a row, and they are the first team to do that since back in the 80s. You had Washington, Chicago, and Dallas who – they, at some point between 83, 87, I probably contributed some of their sack totals <laughs> back in the day. But, you know, they, they had some great players back then, of course, you know, uh, with the Bears. Oh, It's so man. impressive, too, because what was a big criticism for the Steelers' defense this year? They haven't been blitzing as much as they usually do. You know, they weren't Blitzburg. Uh, I think it's increased more as the season's yeah. gone on, but... Their plan at the beginning of the year was we're rushing four and we're getting home with four, and the rest is going to be dropping back into coverage. And that worked perfectly against Buffalo when you were healthy for the most part. I don't think injuries really let that plan play out throughout the season. But to be at that 52 mark right now with a game to go. Phenomenal. And not be blitzing as much as you are. I mean, I mean, TJ's got a lot to do with that with the 21 and a half that he's added. But. It's still just incredible that even though they've changed kind of the way they go about it this season from past years, results are still the same. It is amazing. And to be able to post that many consecutive 50-plus seasons and to be able to post um, leading the NFL in sacks five years in a row when I I don't think anybody had done it four years in a row, uh, which the Steelers were the first to do that because you can't get the five unless you get the four. (laughs) Just math right just, there. That's, that's, that's math, basic baby. math right there. Yeah, I just nailed it, too. And, and you lose Bud Dupree this year, too. Yes. Who was your second leading sack getter last year. Well, think about this. You, you also lost uh, Stefan to it. Th- think about that. Think about this. Mike Hilton, a great blitzing corner. He got a couple sacks a year based on he coming did. off that slot. He did. He's in Cincinnati now. Still the production's there, though. It is. It's a testament to Butler, Tomlin, all the people on that defensive side of the ball. They still get after the quarterback better than anybody in the league. It's it's remarkable because no matter how many times you chip with the back or put a tight end, go max protection, um, you, you, TJ's still getting still getting home. He's still getting home, and to think that he's doing this with essentially three less games, you know, what I mean, he's oh, yeah. missed two. And he's missed parts of two others. He left at halftime in the Raiders game and the Lions game. And And the Vikings game, he had to leave uh, early as well. Yeah, all right. He had only, I think, 16 snaps against the the Lions. Before he had to check out of the game. So, I mean, there was nothing there. You look at this, I think it's phenomenal because everybody is keying on him. Everybody knows what what this guy brings. And if you're as an offensive lineman, you've got to sit there and say, okay, as I look at T.J. Watt, as I look, you know, as a former offensive lineman, okay, I look at him and think his uppercut and his swim are terrific, but he's also got the crossover. He's also got a spin. He's also got the ability to bull rush. Uh, one of the things that he does so very well is trapping the hands and getting your hands down, 
just giving him that that corner, being able to run the arc, and he's so aware of the you know the strip sack that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, being able to get the, the get complete, the ball on the ground, yeah, get yeah. the trifecta, the splash baby. play there. Oh, you love that. I love the sack. I think it's my favorite play in football. So exciting when your defense gets a big sack against the quarterback. Four sacks for TJ against Baker last uh, Monday. Phenomenal. My favorite play, though, was when he just dummied the rush, stepped back off the line, oh, waited, yeah. and jumped up PBU. and swatted it right out of the air, and that? immediately turned and pointed right at Baker. And he said, if you read his lips, he said, you're too small. He said, you're too small. you got to throw that ball higher, buddy. Now, I don't want to be a stickler for the rules, but that seemed like taunting to me. I'm not going to lie. No. But I actually think it's funny because what if the refs were just like, you know what? He's right, Baker. You are, you are too small. <laughs> like He's not taunting. He's just telling the truth right now. Well, the funny part is that's why they do, do so much misdirection, why they roll him out. Because he's too small. Yeah, because he can't see the field as well as you want to see and the field. And you've got too many big hands up in the air. It's clear that that was especially with hindsight after the game, all week leading up to it, they were drilling that on the defense. Get your hands up. Get your hands in the passing lanes. He is not able to clear the line on his own. He needs to be out of the pocket to do that. So Hayward, Watt, get your paws oh, up. Oh, yeah. They both had a couple passes defended. What does Hayward have now, like eight? Eight, eight PBUs. He's a defensive tackle. He's a defensive <laughs> back. <laughs> I mean, think about it. How many guys? There's a lot of corners in the NFL that don't have eight PBUs. He's a D-tackle, and he's just jumping up and swatting the ball out of the air. Phenomenal. It's, it is phenomenal, and it's remarkable. You take a look at what he's accomplished, and, and the fact that he's in his 11th year, the fact that he gets double-teamed, sometimes triple-teamed. I mean, I've even seen him have, you know, the whole one side of the line, and he's he's up against it. I find that remarkable. I find that uh, his diligence to his performance is incredible, and you match that with a T.J. Watt who was so hungry to be a game wrecker. And, and That's what he said after the game, too. He is he, a game wrecker. They asked him about the sack thing and everything, and he said, Couldn't I just it. want to wreck yeah. the game. That's yeah, all it, I want to do. I mean, that's that's a beautiful attitude. You know, defensive guys, they can be singularly minded like that. Yes. You know, and some guys, you know, they get out there, and uh, what do you have today that we didn't have back in our day was uh, people that made um, business decisions, quote, unquote. You know, those yes, things where, yes. well, I'm, I'm a little Cam Newton not jumping or, on the fumble in the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, I mean, those things sorts like of, that. yeah, those are the things that separate you from, from, the, from the era that I came from. You know, nobody nobody made business, business decisions, decisions back, back then. then. No, because that was called, you might as well get cut. You're cut. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to get cut. But certainly I look at T.J. Watt and I think to myself, watching this guy, he's become a veritable encyclopedia of modern-day pass-rushing techniques. And that is also that brain in his head, you know. I mean, you watch. When you talk about he backed off the line and put his hands up, that's just smart. That's just smart. Exactly. That's following the eyes, being able to track the eyes of a quarterback and be able to come off and do what you can do to be able to get in the action and wreck the game. Great film study, too, to recognize Absolutely. the receivers that Great were lined point. up on his side, knowing that they're coming behind me. If I just drop back, I'll be right in this lane, and I know that's his first read. I know Baker loves his first read, so I'll just stay right here and very easy PBU. That's a great observation by you, I've been known man. to do that from time to time. Every night, you know, you totally redeemed yourself. <laughs> from what? What did I, I screw up before initially? I don't know. I just like the saying. <laughs> you think he gets the record? Uh, I think so. I think he does, too. I think he does. You he know? just needs one and a half to get it. I was saying we were doing the standard with Jacob before this, and I was saying if you're Highsmith or Cam, hold up. 
Tantley or Lamar for a little bit. Let let TJ get there for that half a sack. Like, keep him in your pocket. Grab him Stay by up. the jersey. Like, and just, TJ, come on. Come grab on, him. Finish him off. <laughs> well, it certainly would be remarkable. It would be an awesome moment and a great time. Uh, I'm looking forward to this game because, you know what, it's always good to go into Ravenite land and be able to put a whooping on them, and I hope that the Steelers finish off strong. Okay, we're going to go to break. I think you got Labs jumping on with you after this break. All right, that's that's wonderful because, yeah. well, we got Wex coming up also at the top of the hour. So whether oh, it's okay. Labs, whether it's Wex, it's whoever we got. We got a ton. We got loads of fun. Everybody's jumping in because you're in the locker room. We'll be back after this. Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards.